You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey. You're my co-host today, Joey Likes. Joey, I just got a question for you. Come down from the absolute high of rookie minicamp that we experienced over the weekend. like that for sure man i feel like at least in previous years maybe i'm totally off base here but there was something that came out like whether it was just some video clips or something there was nothing that came out of that rookie minicamp weekend it feels like honestly it feels like there used to be a ton like I, like a lot yeah to be a huge thing and it's like it we wouldn't even know what happened. I mean, I don't even know if the head coach knows it happened, you know, and that's not a shot at Mike McCarthy. Like, you have a back surgery, you have a back surgery. But it's like, wow. <laughs> it was nothing. Not a video, not a – I mean, like, Sunday, I was like, man, let me let me go like Michael Gelkin's t- Twitter and see if he's posted anything. And it was just like, you know, a story about how they – the Brian Schottenheimer was talking about, you know, not changing a whole lot of the offense or whatever. <laughs> just like – Holy crap, man. This is uh, one of the slowest mini camps I remember ever. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, part of that might be, you know, the first round pick is a defensive tackle. He's not going to make a lot of headlines. You know, they, they didn't invest a high pick and like a pass catcher that's going to be running around making crazy catches or anything like that. And also, you know, they even said, like, I think it was Awesome Richards said something about how, like, they're not out there, like, trying to beat him up or anything like that. They're just trying to sort of get him in the, uh, yeah. in the, in the groove, incorporated into things. And so, uh, so, you know, I think all of that put together combines into a, a relatively uneventful, um, rookie minicamp, at least from, from our perspective, for sure. I wonder if last year they had issues with your Jalen Tolberts and some of these other guys maybe getting acum you know, acclimated to the just the system, the language and stuff. And they went, man, instead of going into this thing and spending so much time on drills or like some little bit of one-on-ones or whatever that is, like let's just make sure we like start that integration of the offense, the system, the language of some of our stuff. So that way when we get to, you know, OTAs and that type of stuff there, you know, that it's a little bit more their, their their feet are already on the ground running, and then it's not acclimating them to that there. Um, that's just a thought, you know, with how how many rumors we heard about, you know, Jalen Tolbert. I know some of the tight end stuff. I think you know they were like, yeah, you know, we we like these guys, but they need some time to develop and and get understand the language and all that. So I wonder if just from their perspective, they said, let's just use this weekend is a really baseline for getting the language and the offense and the defense kind of to them and start that process of, of getting it in their head so they can learn it. So when OTAs roll around, we can kind of hit the ground running. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, I'm old enough to remember, and I'm sure you remember this too, like the 2015 rookie mini camp when the stories were, you know, Randy Gregory throwing it up all over the field and how it used to, it used to be like the coaches would essentially try to shock these guys into the culture of the speed of an NFL practice after they had not done any football activity for like four months and you get, you wind up with guys, you know, hurting themselves, getting sick, you don't get any good work, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's kind of nice to see, you know, coaches being willing to take a different approach than what, you know, they might've taken, especially because this staff has, you know, kind of a lot of old school kind of guys on it. You know, Mike McCarthy's been around a long time. Paul Solari has been around a long time. Dan Quinn, same thing. Um, Brian Schottenheimer, you know, that, that tree goes back as old, back about as old as you can get. Um, and to see these guys, you know, take the approach of, you know, we're going to try to get these guys the information they need, get them moving around on the field a little bit, but we're not here to beat them up. We're not here to try to, you know, shock them into the NFL world. We're here to try to get them incorporated so they can be ready to play uh, when September comes around. Seems seems like a smart approach to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree. But um, I'm glad we started this positional series last week then because I don't know what we would have done if we, we hadn't already started that ball rolling. So we're going to roll and talk about these pass catchers. We talked about the quarterbacks and the running backs last week. So if you guys didn't check that out, make sure you go back to last week's show and, and here's kind of just break down the uh, – kind of the outlook of this quarterback and running back room as we head tier towards training camp. Um, so today let's look at the receivers and the tight ends. We talked a lot about the tight ends throughout this draft process. So we'll start with the receivers and then we'll kind of finish up just touching on a few other things on this tight end class. But this receiver room's um, interesting because you've had the additions of Brandon Cooks. You can almost count Jalen Tolbert as an addition because of how little he did last year. Um, and the the value that you think it, or the volume of his role probably increasing in year two. But then you got a lot of guys like the Jalen Brooks, who is a draft pick, um, Jalen Marino Cropper, who's an undrafted free agent. We've heard a lot of names. Uh, David Durden was a guy that has been mentioned is a possible, um, you know, a, a guy that's going to have a big training camp in, in offseason. So there's a lot of names that kind of float around and talk about that are going to fill out that fourth, fifth, sixth um receiving role in this depth chart but let's start with the top three guys cd lamb brandon cooks michael gallup man does that sound and feel a lot better than what they rolled out in weeks you know one through shoot weeks one through four or five last year as michael gallup was coming back from his torn acl um you know we we still don't know what gallup is from a health standpoint what he's going to be in 2023 but that addition of Brandon Cooks and that, you know, maybe another step from C.D. Lamb just feels like such a huge bolster from what this group was last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you have a week one starter uh, who was an undrafted free agent that year <laughs> and, and one and one who came in without much fanfare, right? Like, you know, there are some free agents this year that, like, they signed an undrafted free agency that if they wind up coming in and playing a role very early – having a, you know, even being a starter because of an injury or something like that, or like, let's, this won't happen. But if for some reason, Hunter Lepke was the first running back on the, right. on the field on first down against the giants on Sunday night football, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, right? Hunter Lepke, high profile guy came, you know, all that kind of stuff. Dennis Houston started at wide receiver in week one last year for the Dallas Cowboys against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> so like, you know, Nate Tyson, Robert Mays talk all the time on the athletic football show about 
how big of a step it is to go from really crappy to average and how much that right. can fix your football team. And that's really sort of what happened in the second half of last year when they went from sort of really crappy receiver play early in the year, other than CD lamb to sort of kind of average wide receiver play. Uh, and, and so now you have a chance to go from that average to pretty good because cooks is, you know, nobody's ever been traded as many times as Brandon cooks has. I don't think. And until this time, it was always for a first-round pick. And he's he's just 1,000-yard season after 1,000-yard season, regardless of who he's playing with. He's a really good player. And so you put him with C.D. Lamb. The compliment there is really good. And then you hope for a step from Michael Gallup. But the thing is, even if Michael Gallup is what he was last year, this year, that's probably okay for a wide receiver three. Right because you're not expecting him to be wide receiver two. And that's really what the problem was last year right. was Michael Gallup was it other than CD lamb until T Y Hilton showed up in December. And you know, that was in December. And so um, just adding, and I talk about this all the time on Twitter and in a lot of different places is that if you can improve the depth chart from the top of the depth chart, rather than improving it from the bottom, it just slots everybody in better. And this is true at positions like wide receiver. It's true at position like uh, like defensive end, like pass rusher sort of guys and things like that, is if you can put a guy at the top of the depth chart who belongs at the top and just kind of slot everybody down one slot, um, it just helps everything fit a lot better. So, yeah, I think that top three is um, set in pretty significant stone. Like it would take some really um, – outside of injury, of course, knock on wood, it would take something really unforeseen um, for somebody other than those three to crack any significant wide receiver snaps in the first few weeks of the year, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I mean, I saw a video clip going around today, uh, but I think Bobby Belt quote retweeted or whatever, but Sean Sharif was talking, you know, like kind of giving Bobby Belt crap for hyping up Brandon Cooks. And I mean, me and Sean Sharif have had plenty of, differences on our opinions and all that but it's just like i feel like people are treating the brandon cooks thing like the ty hilton thing last year and it's just not even close to being the same thing like yeah brandon cooks is a really 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 good football player that has been in a lot of shitty situations and has still performed really really well in those crappy situations but when he's on the field i mean he's not a top 10 receiver like that would be blown in a little bit out of proportion but brandon cooks is like a high level wide receiver too. Whenever he's I mean, he's been a quality wide receiver one for plenty of teams throughout his career, so he's a really really talented wide receiver too, and that's what he's going to be asked to do in this offense. And he brings a dynamic and element to this team in this receiving room that he just hasn't had in so long, and that's speed and speed that's used well at receiver. Unlike a Cavante Turban that we just we know he has a speed, we we don't know if that translates to being able to play receiver with that speed where cooks just what he can bring just from his skill set alone not even looking at what he's done over the years and the production that he brings just his vertical ability to run past people um his vertical ability uh ability to open up the middle of the field up the seams and everything that he's done in his career just from a speed standpoint opens up so many more things for this offense that it just hasn't has. And then when you add in the production, the quality of play that he brings outside of that, it's just, and that addition is 
I think it's almost being underrated right now because of how good of a player he's been and how good of a player he's proven to be over the last couple of years and in, in not so great situations. Yeah, I think you you absolutely nailed it. I mean, this guy had 90 catches for over a thousand yards in 2021 catching balls from, you know, who even knows who the quarterbacks were for Houston in 2021, you know, the, Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor and, you know, Rex Burkhead played through a couple of passes and Danny Amendola threw a pass and, you know, like, but, and then last year had 700 yards on 57 catches in only 13 games. So you add another four games onto that, that's another thousand yard season, almost certainly. Um, he's really good. And he doesn't have to be the guy here. Like he's not the guy who's going to get the attention here. And so, that's a fantastic place for him to be. And because it, it's going to be one of the first times in a long time in his career that he hasn't been the guy. Um, and, you know, all the way back to, to the Rams, the, you know, the had 1200 yards for the Rams in 2018. Like he's just really good. I mean, he had almost 1200 yards in 2020 for the Texans. And, you know, yes, that was, you know, the quarterback who shall not be named throwing him the ball, but still it's the stinking Texans. Like that offense, it was not a very good offense, and he managed to put up almost 1,200 yards in the offense. Uh, I don't think there's anybody – I mean, I know they didn't pick first in the draft, but there's – Texans were the worst team in football last year. They – I don't oh, think yeah. – I don't even think that's a discussion. And Cooks has talked – you know, he was frustrated, wanting to get – you know, wanted to get traded at the deadline. It didn't happen, but like he put up, you know – pretty much almost 60 catches on almost 100 targets and almost 700 yards and three touchdowns in a situation that he probably didn't want to be in, wasn't happy showing up to work all the time. I think he didn't play some games because he wasn't so happy because of the situation he was in and still produced at a pretty damn good level. So, like, I just think his his entire career and situation has flipped from 2022 to 2023, and the player's still there. I mean, you can pull up the stats if you look at just the – straight counting numbers you know he's a guy who's getting seven eight nine ten targets a game he's catching four five six seven balls a game for 50 60 70 sometimes 100 plus yards a game like that's that is a legit massive upgrade at the wide receiver two position that we haven't seen since Amari Cooper was in town and, and healthy and playing at the level he was right and this is a different kind of player than Amari right. Cooper uh, and it's one that you know you could argue the fit is even better in terms of, you know, the kind of player that he is and the way he can uh, the way he can impact a, an offense and uh, impact the defense, which then turns around and impacts the offense. And the great and the last thing on Cooks, and, and this is just something we've talked about on the show, me and you have talked about a little bit, but like something I've talked about on the show for even when Amari Cooper was here, this offense has just lacked the true position players that it needed and like the true X receiver, like Michael Gallup's been that X and he was good at that role early in his career. And then the injuries started to pile up and it felt like he wasn't performing in that true physical X receiver role as good as he, he had been. And that was the case last year. Some, but if you don't have that dominant X receiver, the guy that can just line up alone on that side of the field and dominate that side of the field, you have to have a guy like cooks that can, have a safety kind of pay more attention to him at that Z role and then have CeeDee Lamb in the slot. And that's where I think the excitement comes in is because even if Michael Gallup is 80% of what we're used to Michael Gallup being, if he's facing one-on-one coverage, he'll get his fair share of wins. But the issue was is last year, 
CD Lamb was getting bracketed. The tight ends were getting bracketed. And you had no guy on the Z over there at Z that could do anything for you. Um, and that just it, it changes a lot because even if even if Cooks is the Z guy lined up and he's getting some of that, you know, safety attention, then Gallup's jobs get easier, Lamb's jobs get easier, and the tight ends' jobs get easier. Where you just you just have two guys on the outside now and a guy in the middle that is gonna get extra eyeballs on them. And like you said, like, it's not like Cooks is going to get most of the attention. That's still going to be C.D. Lamb. But Cooks is good enough that if he's getting those one-on-ones, and I think Gallup's going to be good enough in 2023, that if he's consistently getting those one-on-ones with a safety paying more attention to Lamb or Cooks, then you could see his numbers spike even more and get back to where we're used to, which is, that's what I'm saying, his addition, it's just something we haven't seen really in, in a few years. And you mentioned it, even when Amari was here, they didn't really have that true X, Y, and Z. They kind of rotated guys in the slot. They had Gallup as an X as a young receiver. They just didn't have that true three X, Y, Z kind of wide receiver grouping that I think they have now and can, can really get uh, get the most out of it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we've been you know, harping on with the Cowboys for a long time has been their inability to attack down the field outside the numbers. And they, they felt like um, Michael Gallup could be that guy. And through the course of his career, he had been that guy in a contested catch type of way. But we even saw in a limited snapshot, you know, we saw what, I don't remember if it was third and 30 or fourth and 30. I think it was third and 30 against the Eagles. And, having a guy like T.Y. Hilton that can just run by a cover two corner fast enough to get into the hole and let Dak hit him in the hole um, for a big gain, I mean, it changed that game. One player on one play being able to win down the field outside the numbers changed that game. And, you know, and that was really the thing that, you know, we're going to talk about San Francisco a lot this year just because of the way the Cowboys have run into that buzzsaw for the last few couple of years in the playoffs and they get to play them again this year and all that stuff. Uh, if you're going to beat San Francisco, you have to beat them outside the numbers. Yeah. Because because Fred Warner makes life really crappy inside. And the way Hafunga and those safeties play and, and the way that defense is built, or at least has been the last few years, we, we'll see what Steve Wilkes does there. You have to beat those guys outside the numbers. And when you have a passing offense that's built through a slot receiver and a tight end, you can't do that, especially when you then lose your running back that has a little bit of explosiveness to him really early in the game. So having Brandon Cooks is really 
as much as people want to talk about, you know, drafting Mozzie Smith is an, an answer to losing to San Francisco for a couple of years and wanting to be big and tough and all that. Really and truly, Adam Brandon Cooks is the answer to losing to uh, uh, to San Francisco for the next year, for the last couple of years. Is that speed on the outside, down the field, who has played in massive games uh, and has made huge plays in those massive games. Um, it's just a, it's just something they haven't had in a long time here. And I was, you know, I was as big of an Amari Cooper fan as as there is. But uh, that secondary wide receiver, um, he's probably, he he's just a different cat than what they than even what they had when they had CD and Amari together. Yep. So let's look at this again. One, two, three is pretty much written in Sharpie at this point, barring anything crazy. But um. Four, five, six is not, and I think that this is where the the camp stuff gets interesting because you got guys like Jalen Tolbert, you got a guy like Simi Fajoko that's been around for here for a little bit, you got a new draft pick in in Jalen Brooks who they seem to like a lot, um, and then you got like I said guys like Antonio Callaway who were here last year, Jalen Marino Cropper, um, there there's multiple undrafted free agent guys that 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 have been rumored and talked about by John Fossil and Brian Schottenheimer. As you know, they're they're excited to see those guys compete to who can fill the Noah Brown role. We keep hearing that um, a lot, so we we know that they're going to have a guy in that wide receiver room that is going to be probably more value on valuable on special teams than he is on offense. I think that's where this gets interesting. If you're trying to kind of map out this 53 man roster. How does it work? So I don't want to map out the 53-man roster, but I want to kind of go through and talk about, like, okay, that fourth wide receiver spot. Jalen Tolbert, who is he going to be competing with for that fourth wide receiver spot? I think a lot of people would say Simi Fajoko. Um, Some people might say it could be Jalen Brooks after, you know, he was a, a draft pick this year and how much they value their draft picks. Um, Dennis Houston was a guy that they had around and liked a lot last year. So who do you think currently is going to go into campus battling out for that wide receiver four spot? Yeah, this is like, I love the way they built this position group. And to me, this is how you build a really, really good roster is you have guys at the top of the depth chart. We spent a lot of time talking about Brandon Cooks, but CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup the same way, who are really good players in their role. And you know what to expect from those guys. And then you just carpet bomb the back end of the depth chart. Like, you just talked about it. There's Jalen Tolbert was a third-round pick. Simi Fajoko was, what, a fifth-round pick. Antonio Callaway was a third-round pick when he was drafted. Dontario Drummond was a guy a lot of people thought really highly of. Dennis Houston, like we said earlier, started a game for this team last year, at least one. David Durden, you know, super interesting, high upside wide receiver who really fits that, you know, sort of big wide receiver who has the ability to sort of play light end if you need him to play light end and play some special teams and stuff like that. And then Jalen Brooks, Marino Cropper, you know, we just name all these guys. Every one of them brings something to the table and you're just going to, you know, essentially put them all in a cup, shake them up and roll them out on the field in Oxnard and say, all right, win a job. There's probably three jobs to be won. Yeah. Um, one of those is going to have to incorporate some returnability, probably. So, you know, Turpin, uh, Moreno Cropper, somebody like that probably has the upper hand in that area. But outside of that one, there's probably two jobs on this wide receiver core that are going to go to the guys who stand out in camp and make some special teams plays in camp and in preseason. And it's going to be fun to watch because it doesn't, you know, I'm sure they would love Jalen Tolbert to be that guy. 
but it doesn't feel like they're going to force him to be that guy because in years past they would have just said, oh, we're going to have Jalen Tolbert. He's going to be the third wide receiver. We right. spent a third-round pick on him. He's going to be the third wide receiver. Uh, they added Brandon Cook, so it sure as heck doesn't feel like they're forcing Jalen Tolbert into anything. Um, and then there's, you know, there's – everybody believes that Cedric Wilson is going to get released at some point in Miami, probably in camp. And there's the, do you just bring Cedric Wilson back to play that role pretty cheap because he already got a bunch of his money from Miami. He's not going to get a bunch of money anywhere else. It's a, it's a really fun, really interesting group. And I think you're going to see Jalen Tolbert. I was an Antonio Callaway fan coming out of school. I think he's going to have a chance. Simi Fahoku, um, you know, we'll see what happens there from a wide receiver standpoint. You know, the special team stuff is, is, going to have some value, but we'll see where that comes from. And then, you know, Dontario Drummond was a, a legit college wide receiver too. So it's going to be interesting to see these guys um, play it out over the course of the month or so there in, uh, they're in Oxnard and the, the preseason games for sure. My crazy idea is I wonder if they, I mean, they, they really don't need to, but like, I almost feel like Simi Fajoko is in a role now. Like, do you try to put 15, 20 pounds on him and turn him into a tight end? Like, He's been here for a few years. He's never really turned into what we thought he would. You know, he's 6'3", 220 now. Like, put 15 pounds on the guy and see if he can kind of be your your big slot guy and, and see if he can find a role that way. I mean, you already got some of those guys in like a Peyton Hendershot. And, but, I don't know. You just it, it seems like his time's coming to an end here. Like, he's never he's, – he's banged up a lot. He's never really taken, taken advantage of any of those opportunities. Um I'm really excited to see Jalen Brooks and Jalen Marino Cropper this this training camp because Jalen Marino Cropper is a guy for Fresno State who, I mean, he lined up everywhere in their offense. He played all over the field, you know, six foot, 180 pounds, a solid athlete, by no means a dynamic athlete. But I think he's kind of a guy that I would have him circled as making the roster and playing somewhat of a role in his rookie year just because of how smart, instinctive, and versatile he is being able to line up in multiple spots. And like you said, maybe help out as some return as well. So um, the guy that I wanted to touch on that we haven't really spoken much about is Kevante Turpin, a guy who made the pro bowl last year and, you know, mainly for his return skill, well solely for his return skills, but just bringing in a guy like Deuce Vaughn or bringing in a guy like Jalen Marino Cropper, Jalen Brooks, does that make him expandable? I mean, he did pretty much absolutely nothing for you from a receiver standpoint last year. So do you find a guy that can return and be your sixth receiver? Yeah, I think it's going to come down to how close it is from a return standpoint. Right. Because, you know, a lot of, you know, we spend a lot of time, we do and other Cowboys, you know, media, podcasts, all this kind of stuff, spend a lot of time talking about how the down the roster guys have to contribute to special teams. And, I've looked at it before. I haven't looked at it recently, but most of the guys who play special teams, most of them are starters. They're not the down roster guys. <laughs> most of your special teams units are, you know, Donovan Wilson and J. Ron, J. Ron Curse and right. guys like that. Like it's not really, you know, your sixth wide receiver who's only on the team but to play special teams. So if Turpin brings enough value as a receiver I think there's room on the roster to keep him or as a returner excuse me I think there's room on the roster to keep him even if he doesn't contribute all that much on teams in another way or on offense um 
But if Moreno Cropper or Deuce Vaughn are 85 to 90% of the returner that Turpin is, then, yeah, I definitely think he becomes expendable because he's not going to do anything on offense. And, you know, Moreno Cropper is a guy who had – he took a bunch of carries at Fresno State. He threw some passes at Fresno State. Like, he he's did it all. football he, player. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was their offense at Fresno right. State. And so, um, for him, you know, I think he's probably the primary competition in that he's probably going to do more as a wide receiver than Turpin has at least to this point. Um, and if he can be the return guy that, or, or 80 to 90% of the return guy that Turpin can be, it's going to be close for sure just because of what he brings on offense. Yeah. And I, I personally, like, even though I do, you know, I think, I think Turpin gets unfairly criticized for some of his returns at the end of the year. You know, like, I know, I know a lot of people kill him for running into the punter there in the San Francisco game, but like, Turpin was a good returner for this team last year. Like, I don't think there's any, real denying that um he brought more to that that we it's position that we've seen in a long time um but i think there's a ton of value of having your six ride receiver being a guy that can be active on game day because of his return skills but also if you need him to go in the game because you know two of your receivers get banged up you can do that and he can play xyz you know he can play any spot in that offense and not kill you and i think that's i think that's the value that he brings and i i, I thought marino cropper was a guy who would probably get drafted you know on day three at some point and he didn't and he you know was there as undrafted free agency and they got him so I, i'm really interested to see how that plays out i mean they don't seem to cut draft picks so jalen brooks is a guy that you know not a lot of fans are talking about because i don't think a lot of fans that recognized or knew the name wasn't a guy that I was real familiar with uh going into the draft but um normally when they draft guys they're sticking around for a year at least and that's a name that we got to keep kind of circling to and seeing how he does because you know he seems to be a do-it-all special teams high character high effort dude and they seem to really like that type of guy so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how his receiver room works out um, just because of all the names and all the bodies they currently have there and the guys that can do so many different things on offense and on special teams. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – it, and the, the good thing is that's a fun position to watch at yeah. a training camp practice, and it's a, it's an easy position to sort of see, oh, this guy's consistently getting open. He's consistently yeah. catching the ball. You know, He's making plays in the preseason games. They put him back there on – Oh, he, this guy is taking reps as a punt returner, or like that. You know, it's easy to see that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, some of the offensive line, defensive line, even linebacker stuff. You know, like uh, it, it's hard to see and know that the guy's exactly where he's supposed to be and all that kind of stuff. Whereas a wide receiver or a cornerback, it's pretty easy to know. Okay, this guy's getting open um, and he's catching the ball, and, versus he's not. So it's a uh, it's a good position for us as, as fans and people who cover the team to uh, to have a, a nice, solid camp battle for the back end of that roster. Because uh, really, there's what probably three spots pretty wide open. Because I don't think I don't think if Jalen Tolbert's the seventh best wide receiver on this team, they're going to keep Jalen Tolbert just because they picked him in the third round last year. Uh, but yeah, so you're probably looking at you know six, seven guys competing for three spots, and they're all really interesting guys with really interesting profiles that there's going to be a lot, a lot of conversation spent in the month of July and August about the wide receiver spot for the Cowboys for sure. 
Didn't they keep seven receivers toward the end of the year? Didn't they have seven receivers on the active roster last year at some point because of Turpin and how much he wasn't, you know, he's kind of just a special teams guy only or I'm making that up? Well, I mean, if you, you know, you had Lamb, Brown, Gallup, and Tolbert that were on the 53 plus Turpin. Plus, uh, for a little bit there, was Houston on the was he on the active roster at the end of the year? Or was he on the practice squad? It's hard cool. to remember because they make they wind up making all those roster moves and everything. It's hard to um, it's hard to keep up with with those guys. But uh, but yeah, they were they at least carried six all year. Yeah. Uh, and when you when you added T Y Hilton, I know there was a period of time where when you added T Y Hilton, you but he wasn't ready yet. You had an extra they, wide they receiver did. there. So but. I got it. They did carry seven at some point because they had Michael Gallup, Noah Brown, CeeDee Lamb, T.Y. Hilton, James Washington, Cavante Turpin, and Jalen Tolbert. So it was – I'm looking up the – and if this is accurate, I'm looking up the January 1st, 2023 depth chart, and it has those seven guys on it. There you go. Now, I can't remember – James Washington did play a game or two, I remember. So yeah, it must have been it must have been seven. I knew at some point I remember like whether I wrote an article for blogging the boys where we talked about it on a podcast. I was like, they got seven receivers on this roster. And it just clicked into my brain when we were talking about this. I was like, maybe there's a slight chance they go seven if they can go light at a running back or a tight end or something like that. Like maybe they just keep three tight ends and go seven receiver, whatever that is, but um, I would I would expect it to be six and your six guy being your your primary return guy. But let's uh let's spend five five or so minutes talking about the tight end position. I mean, we talked about it so much during the draft that I, I don't want to repeat ourselves a ton, but you know, we 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 know for sure now that uh Jake Ferguson, uh Luke Schoonmaker, Peyton Hendershot, and Sean McEwen are the the four tight ends um on this roster heading into camp. I wouldn't expect them to to add a veteran to that group. I think they feel pretty comfortable going, you know, kind of this is the rebuild of the tight end room. They they got three three young guys that they feel like have that ability to be the top, the top tight end on the roster and then guys like Sean McEwen and Peyton Hendershot that can fill a role when need be, but um I mean again, like I don't think there's anything sexy about this group. We've talked about it all draft season, you know, not not many guys at the tight end position are nowadays. There's there's if you are, you're extremely rare but um i feel like this group's got the ability to be decent and, and solid and, and provide to this offense what it needs to and that's giving you a couple guys who can can play that you know blocking and receiving role that gives you a guy peyton hendershot and luke schoonmaker that has some uh, athletic upside um ferguson showed some ability after the catch last year so i think they they have a good mix of talent and skill set in that room and while I don't think that this group will ever be considered, you know, top of the league, I think it's, you know, middle of the pack and really at the tight end position, if you've got some dynamic guys at receiver and your quarterback's good, that's really all you need to have successful from that position group. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Is it this position group is, you know, it's kind of boring, but that's because the way the Cowboys use the tight end position is kind of boring. Like, they they aren't the and that I think that's one of the things that you know we spent so much time and you said this earlier spent so much time talking about tight ends uh, as we got ready for the draft and and all that kind of stuff and with the way the Cowboys use the tight end position Luke Schoonmaker is going to be just fine like no he wasn't my favorite tight end prospect and no he wasn't in the same tier as a lot of those guys who went just a little bit ahead of him and. Yes, they probably overdrafted him by half a round if you just look at, you know, the the pure player rankings. But, you know, 
they felt like they needed a tight end body who could come in and contribute right away. It seems pretty clear they didn't feel like Darnell Washington was um, physically capable of being a, a, a – it seems like they didn't have Darnell Washington on their board, or if they did, they had him dinged significantly for his injury, uh, like a lot of teams did. So I'm not going to you know kill him for that. Um, and so they decided Luke Schoonmaker was to choose to use a uh, to use a Jerry Jonesism, the last of the Mohicans at tight end, right there in that tier. And so they took him, and he's going to be just fine. He's going to play. He's going to block some guys. He's going to miss some blocks because that's what happens to tight ends. And he's going to catch the eight yard hook pattern in the middle of the field or the flat route off of the uh, the play action boot, and occasionally an over route. And he's going to get six, seven, eight yards off of it, and he's going to get tackled. And we're going to move on to the next play. And that's exactly what they asked the tight end to do. And that's exactly what this group is capable of doing. And, you know, maybe there's a little bit more from a yak standpoint available from Jake Ferguson or Peyton Hendershot um, that you may not get from, may not have gotten from Dalton Schultz last year. Um, and maybe Luke Schoomaker, and Luke Schoomaker is a little bit better of a tested athlete than those, than Dalton Schultz or those other two guys. So maybe there's a little bit more in the tank from a yards after catch standpoint. But for the most part, what you have seen from the tight end position from this team for a decade and a half, maybe even more than that, is what you should expect to have from the tight end position this year because they certainly have a type. And Luke Schoonmaker and Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot all fit that type very well. So there, it will be, it will be, they will get good production from the tight ends, um, even though they don't have the most talented tight end room in the league because that's just what this offense does. Yep. You nailed it. And I think that probably wraps up our wide receiver pass catching series for the week. But um, we have 2023 OTA practices starting May 22nd, 23rd, May 25th, May 30th, June 1st and 2nd and June 13th and 15th. So we're pretty much a week away from the start of those OTAs. And then they go for that, uh, two or three week period. And then we got training camp. Um, we talked about it, you know, it's like late July, first week in August type of deal. So we're little around two months away from really getting, getting smack dab in the middle of this bad boy. So we're, we'll keep continuing these series and we'll have more stuff to talk about as OTAs and all that stuff ramps up. Um, excited to see where this, these cutdowns are. I mean, we're still ways from there, you know, we talk about these receivers and tight ends. Like there's still, you mentioned Cedric Wilson earlier, but there's still some some chance that a veteran gets cut at one of these positions that we're going to talk about this offseason that we don't really have on the radar that gets added towards the, the start of the year. So that's always an exciting time to talk about it too. But uh, we'll be back to talk about anything and everything regarding the Dallas Cowboys. And we'll be back next week on the Talking Star podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. See you then.